This is the Quiz Bowl Cast, episode 47E, 2008 Minnesota Open Lit Tournament, round five between Mike and Jeremy and Trig V and Mike. Much to Chris Ray's delight, this work explains that in between a place and candy is a narrow footpath. A notable section of this work repeats the phrase little sales ladies and ends with the word beautiful repeated four times. William Gass claimed that the major divisions of this work represented the external, the nourishing, and the enclosing in his essay about this work's author and the geography of the sentence. This work that contains the poem Supposed and Eyes and Orange Inn opens with a section that announces a spectacle of nothing strange and the difference is spreading, and it begins by describing a carafe that is a blind glass. Consisting of sections marked objects, food, and rooms for ten points, name this collection of automatically written cubist poetry by Gertrude Stein. Uh, refrigeration ode. Oh. <laughs> refrigeration ode? <laughs> This is Tender Buttons. Tender Buttons, that's right. That's all actually more sensible than refrigeration. Fuck. I should have thought it was, I'm sorry. Is that a real work? Yeah. Oh, okay. What, 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 made what? Oh, the thing you guessed. No, it's oh. not a real work. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Tender Buttons. Alright, it's a real book. This work's opening monologue praises tobacco, whatever Aristotle or philosophy may say. At one point, a beggar is offered a gold coin to take the Lord's name in vain, while later, its title characters exaggerate his hospitality to Dimitri keeps him from having to pay a debt. Pierrot saves the title character from a capsized boat, only to see him charm the peasants Mathurine and Charlotte. At the start of Act 5, Louis appears and is falsely told his son has reformed, but after that, son does not heed the warning of the specter of time, the valet Scannerel, mourns for his lost wages because his master gets swallowed by the earth at a statue's command. For some points, name this Molière play, which shares its subject with a work of Tirso de Molina. Uh, huh. The Don Giovanni? Um, no. Okay. The Doctor Despite Himself. No. Just Don Guest? Uh, Don Juan. Just Don Juan? Okay. Yeah. No. I did not know he wrote a just Don Juan. Yeah. Okay. Don Juan or the Stone Guest. Oh, okay, you would have taken them. Hence, I am retarded for not saying that. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> oh, well. In retrospect. Also, uh, three. She reminisces on the life of an outcast listening to the laughter of the world and rationalizes that one pays for one's sins. She is invited to lunch with the bishop and Lord Merton by Caroline Jedberg, and later demands up to 2,500 pounds a year, remarking to another character that when men give up thinking what is charming, they give up saying what is charming. She doesn't want to end up a nurse in a convent like in a novel, because repentance is quite out of date, and gets Arthur to promise never to reveal her relationship to his wife, whose letter to him she reads in Burns. She notes she'd gladly dance through life with Augustus, who holds her bouquet for her and later marries her despite her stepping out of hiding at Lord Darlington's house to claim a uh, misplaced object. Lady Windermere. Here. Um, no. Oh, really? Oh, no, it's the... <laughs> no, it's the woman who picks up Lady Windermere's family. Uh, for 10 points, is. name this very good woman who yes. shielded her actual daughter from the marital conflict oh, and beset her in an Oscar Wilde play which ends with her talking and taking Can't with her Lady Windermere's fans. Lady Agatha? Name's like no. Mrs. Erlin. Yeah, Erlin. God. Margaret Erlin. I actually knew yeah. that. We're now losing. I actually knew that. All right. <laughs>
<laughs> Such a terrible nag. I was like, I recognize a character from Lady Windermere's fan. Time to vote. Screw up, Mike. Sorry, you can't even... Toss up four. The title character kills a snake as his lover alights a carriage at the Frescati and is delighted by the weakness expressed by that lover when the fizz escapes from a bottle of champagne. The title figure of this work got expelled on Good Friday when he placed a lewd depiction of Christ on the tabernacle. This work's narrator compares the central family's history to the curiousness of an Anne Radcliffe novel and describes the story behind the portrait of Adonis to Madame de Rochefide. Minor characters in this work include Filippo and Marianina, who take care of a secretive old man along with their mother, Comtessa Delanti. The title character is a protege of Bouchardon, who wins the Prix de Rome, and is stabbed after he expresses his desire to kill his lover after attempting to destroy a likeness of La Zambinella. More famously, several lexia of this work are delineated in SC by Roland Barthes. For 10 points, identify the short story in which the title sculptor falls in love with an Italian castrato, a work by Henri de Balzac. Canova. No. Pergolino. No, this is a Saracine. Yeah, Saracine. It's the thing from Pocanesta. Oh, well. Alright, toss up five. One of the title figures of this poem was judged perfect in the five senses, dexterous in his five fingers, faithful to Christ's five wounds, and uh, contemplative in the five joys, so his symbol was Solomon's pure gold pentangle. The stanzas in this poem end with a bob and wheel rhyming section, and the central character denounces Delilah and Bathsheba before claiming that it would be a great gain to love but not trust women if one could. The compatriots of this poem's central figure agree to ease his shame by wearing a brightly colored crosswise baldric at the end of this poem. The protagonist breaks a promise on the day that his host hunts the fox. Why, that's Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. It is. <laughs> Dude, a bobbin wheel rhyme scheme. Nice. That's from Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. I and like, oh, and well, many, many other things. Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like well. The pearl, like, also by the pearl. Uh, huh? Like, out of nowhere, I just, yeah. I just was thinking about the pearl. That was the, the, the wavelength I was getting with us, but I was totally uh, off. Alright, toss up six. This author financially supported a relative while that cousin wrote his early play Love in Several Masks, suspected of writing a satire in which those parodied by the Dunciad whipped Alexander Pope in A Pop Upon Pope. One poem <laughs> by this author sees Patch and Ciliander talk in St. James' coffee shop about several ladies that they've seen in various states of undress, which is one of this author's six town eclogues. Pope claimed that this poet poxed lovers with venereal diseases in his imitations of Horace, which drew ire from this poet and the collaborator, Lord Hervey. In epistle to Dr. Arbuthnot, Pope condemned Hervey as Nero's boy toy Sporus and this poet as Sappho. In another work, this author claimed that wearing a burqa afforded her freedom and extolled the virtues of the Turkish baths. For ten points, name this female poet whose Turkish embassy letters introduced Western Europe to smallpox inoculation. What? What? Alright, this is um, Montague is all I need, yeah. or Lady Mary, Mary Mar- Oh, shit. Montague. I kind of knew that. Whoops. And not me. It's famous, like all those like Orientalist art pieces of the 19th century were based on her letters. Okay, slightly over 12 line toss-up. 
Awesome One of them happens upon a man drenching a woman with a hose, and instead of turning off the hose, proceeds to wrestle with it, soaking everyone in a 50-foot radius. Confusion between the words sit tight and jump off causes one of them to abandon his wife for a few hours in a Dutch town. These characters bribe a waiting train conductor who doesn't know where he's supposed to go to take them to Kingston, screwing up all the timetables. Earlier, one of them shares a car on, on an extremely busy train with a single black man while, he's, while he transported a wheel of disgustingly stinky cheese. One of these characters is compared to a man who takes all day to hang a picture frame named Uncle Podger, and their curiosity about a several about a several Wallingford residents who all claim to have caught the same enormous trout leads them to accidentally shatter the trout and discover that it is fake. One of these characters is prescribed but prescribed a hearty daily meal of steak and ale after he reads a medical book and discovers he has every disease described except housemaid's knee. They often hold parliamentary <laughs> sessions in which their votes carry the day over that of Montmorency. For ten points, name these characters, including George, Harris, and Jay, who are on the bummel and in a boat in two novels. Why, it's three men. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I have fucking housemaid's knee. I think we need all those clues. Uh, well, many of them were from Three Men, like, on the Bumble, which I was unaware existed until this point. <laughs> <laughs> now we know. Interesting. Toss up eight. Oh, no, we'll do a score check. I have 15, two, zero. I think we're going to stand pat with the score. I mean, can we just take, like, seven knees here? <laughs> A lot of punting. <laughs> oh, okay. Three men? Oh. <laughs> Just like I mean, if you want to not buzz at the end, like... No, because it's, it's three men in a boat. Right, like I've heard of that. I own that. I won it as a scoring prize once. <laughs> and I will get around reading it one day. One day. Toss-up eight. The protagonist of this novel vows to renew a course of improving studies after cracking open Emerson after dinner one night. A party in this novel sees Miss Mayblunt's quote Swinburne's a cameo and also sees Victor pose and an enamored with the central character. The protagonist imagines a naked man next to her on the seashore while the piece Solitude is played by a musician who wears tacky artificial violets in her hair. The protagonist's children are Etienne and Raoul, and she delights in the piano playing of Mademoiselle. The Awakening? It is. Ten. It's a Wow. Right, now I just need not to neg twice. That'd be good. You just stop buzzing now. I'm thinking about it. Dude, we're winning this game, dude. They're <laughs> only down by five. Just one tossable way. <laughs> Better buzz now. Man, that was Alright, toss up nine. A recent Gordon Campbell book claims that this work anticipates Darwin's theories of creation and evolution as in the lines that the seeds of life should mix symphonious, that the gross con- condense the rare, the rare the gross dilute, in its fourth, fourth part's treatment of sex, while its third part claims we should not fear death because... Who dies today and will as long be so as he who died a thousand years ago? It claims that no man may in words alone pour forth, pour forth praises worthy of his desert in its fifth part's argument against teleology, though it describes how via the Kleinemann free will is possible. It attempts to convert the author's friend, men. Memmius away from superstition, called the conqueror of us all by showing how the author's Greek predecessor stood against and defeated it by defining an, autom- 
atomistic conception of eternal substance. For ten points, name this six-book work of Epicurean philosophy by Lucretius. Uh, it's just derailing the truth. Oh, yeah. On the nature of things, yeah. whatever. Didn't realize you were getting that. Oh, three. man. It's flat. Sure, flat. Well, yes, sure. just I guess there's three times. Yeah. You should do that. I wouldn't want to do that. Maybe I do. Contrary to your friends. That was confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I have like eight different things that I thought might be various points. Yeah. All right. Toss of ten. The protagonist of this work thinks that Madame Brent strikes too many poses for a woman in mourning. This novel's second section opens with an extensive gift-giving sequence in which a young boy receives a greyhound named Lindsay, the protagonist's wife receives scarves, and the protagonist gets the Arabian Nights. The protagonist is seeing a Korean-Russian prostitute named Louisa, and his wife uses the euphemism of going to Suma to describe... Semper for nettles. Fifteen. Is that how she describes fucking? Yeah, with her, like... To describe her affair with Mr. Also. I see. All right. Just going to Suma. I see. Toss-up 11. This author directs the film in which Itai and Tamari are orphaned, which Andrew Hart's professor, Charlie Sucknett, called a cinematic travesty brought, brought on by government intervention. <laughs> this scriptwriter for the smash box office success, Nuria directed that film, Everyone's Child, and wrote a short story in which a woman receives a communique for the first time in 12 years from her fugitive husband, but neglects to destroy it and is arrested for having it. Doris finances the protagonist's education after seeing her selling mealies in one work by this author, who also described that protagonist wielding a rolling pin against her brother after he steals her corn. She has written The Book of Loss as a sequel to her best-known work, in which... Baba Mukuru runs a school, and which begins, I was not sorry when my brother died. For ten points, name this author who wrote about Tambu in Nervous Conditions. Uh, what's her name? No. No? You take that. What is her name? What is her name? Alright. This is Dagarem... Dangaremga. Dangaremga. Yeah. Huh. That's the first name. What? Uh, CT? CT. Oh! Yeah, okay. Yeah, service conditions, alright. What was I thinking? Um, I guess we'll go Perhaps. Toss up 12. One work about this claims that the speaker has never owned a decent radio and that he covets an enamel stove. In a work that parenthetically claims some folk blame too much on Jews, the speaker sometimes <laughs> thinks that Jews have listened to the music of this thing. It is the subject of a poem about a grandma who has no dime, and there is a certain amount of traveling, nothing, impotence, and confusion in this thing, according to the poem Same in Blues. One poem claims that this has a boogie-woogie rumble, while this thing might say like a heavy load, fester like a sword. It's a dream of her. Yeah, there we go. It's science. <laughs> You're damn right it is. <laughs> you damn right. Alright, so we're we gonna get like kicked out of here too. Maybe. Uh, okay. It's within the realm of possibilities. <laughs> Finals will be played over IRC. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Um, toss up 13. 
Two sinister widows named Mrs. Jolly and Mrs. Flack appear in this work, in which one character miraculously survives the Holocaust, but has no idea how because he lost his glasses. Another character is dubbed the Rock of Love, while another character's house is bulldozed so that brick bungalows can be built at this work's end. Blue leads a mock crucif crucifixion in this work, after which Mr. Rose Tree commits suicide when he learns that he crucified that the crucified man has died and was given a Christian funeral. After char another character owns the grandiosely named mansion Xanadu and coins the title phrase, which becomes the title of a painting by Aborigine artist Alf Dubo, who dies just after Good Friday, when Miss Hare and Himmelfarbs come. Some points name this novel set in Sarsaparia and featuring Mrs. Godbold, which follows the lives of three elderly people right before they die, written by Patrick White. Happy Valley. No. I always think it's Happy Valley. The Bone People? Nope. This is Riders in the Chariot. Riders in the oh, chariot. yeah. It's, okay. I'll always think it's Happy oh, Valley. Okay. If I ever say that on a bonus, it. <laughs> All right. You're right. House of 14. In Joyce's After the Race, Jimmy's confused murmur of compliment causes a French race driver to disclose a shining line of these objects. In Flaubert's Bold de Suisse, the character is furnished with the tiniest examples of these. A figure under the smoke, dust all over his mouth, is laughing with these objects in Sandberg's Chicago. In a novel of this name, Archie Jones marries the Jamaican Clara, Samad Okay. That dude has white teeth, so it's white teeth. So that's White Teeth by Zadie Smith. It's all coming together now. Oh, I see. <laughs> something you see, I just mouth. read After the Race is like yesterday. Well, to be fair, I recognize the Sandberg clue. That's fine. Rather than prodding it. But it was very prodable, I will admit. Uh, you always have to read yeah, Dubliners before, the before coming to any tournament. tournament. Is it, is it, is it specifically White Teeth or is it yeah. White Teeth? Okay, yeah, so it's, teeth. it's from Chicago. It's, right. it's like a, a young man like boisterously laughing with White Teeth. Right. And then, yeah, the book by Zadie Smith is White Teeth. So, Which is one of Nathan Friedberg's favorite books of all time. Of all time. <laughs> of all time. <laughs> I have 60 to 10 going into the last one. I agree. Okay. Toss up 15. Everybody's game. <laughs> E.R. Curtius devoted volume 64 of Romanisha Forshman to defining and refuting this book's theses. <laughs> Lesser known texts it investigates include Antoine de, de la Salle's Les Reconfort de Madame Dufresne and. Amianus Marcellinus's account of the arrest of Peter Volvo Marys, while regarding more canonical works, it criticizing the it criticizes the Goncourt's preface against the bourgeois public and claims Don Quixote is the most non-critical and non-problematic account of gaiety in European letters. Its most famous sections contrast the Jewish sense of interiority and the Greek sense of detail, like that of Odysseus's scar, and claim that Dante's devotion to the title entity overwhelms his devotion to Christian figura. Written while its author was trapped in Turkey without secondary sources, for ten points, name the study of the representation of reality in Western literature by Eric Auerbach. Oh my god. Alright. Um, I would guess that's pronounced mimesis or oh, mimesis. Yeah. That is something. Good game. Found score Mike and Jeremy 10, Trigvi and Mike 60.